Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomokohn at gmail.com. For this week's Mishnah, we begin with Perakei Mishnah Chafalev, Chapter 5, Mishnah 21. The Mishnah begins. Kol hamezake es harabim ein chet ba'ayado. Whoever influences the masses to become better, to become meritorious, shall not be the cause of sin. And we're going to explain what that means. V'chol hamachte es harabim ein maspikim biyado lasos tshuva. But one who influences the masses to do to do averos to sin will not be given the means to do teshuva, to return. And the Mishnah continues with examples of people who were either meritorious for the masses or caused the people to sin. And the Mishnah continues: Moshe zocha vezika sarabim. Moses was meritorious, and he influenced the masses to do mitzvos, to do good things. So therefore, schus harabim taliboy, the credit, the merit of the masses was to his credit. As the verse says, shenemar sidkas Hashem also mishpatov in Israel. And this verse is in Devarim, says carrying out God's justice and His ordinances. With Israel, and the Mishnah lists Yeravam ben Nevat, Chata vehichtias Arabim. Yeravam, the son of Nevat, sinned and causes them caused the masses to sin as well. So therefore, Chet Harabim Toliboy, the sins of the masses of the people who who did averos who stumbled because of Yeravam is charged on the account of Yeravam. And how do we know this? Shenemar, as it says, For the sins of Yeravam that he committed and that he caused Israel to commit. So you see there's a direct connection between the sins of Israel and Yeravam. On a simple understanding of this Mishnah, there seems to be two points that we're listing here. Number one, is this concept of being mezake es harabim, which we're going to get into today, is the idea that we have the ability to influence others when we're the vehicle for others to do mitzvos. So then we get credit when those people do the mitzvos that we help them do. It goes on our account. It gets credited back to us. And on the flip side as well, if we, God forbid, encourage others to do averos, to sin, to not follow in the ways of Hashem, we teach them that bad behavior. We lead them astray. So therefore, whatever they do as well that's negative, that's bad, that's not good, we also get charged. Our account gets charged. It's a running bill, right? You could just imagine if you give someone your credit card. This is the easiest way I would say, this is an easy way to understand 
this Mishnah on a very simple level. If if you give someone an authorized user on your credit credit card, or if you make someone an authorized user on your credit card, so the person who's the authorized user, he has free reign. You have to trust him well before you give him that credit card because he can go take that card, charge it for $5,000, and he's not liable for anything. And who gets the bill? It's the primary cardholder, you. So when we give over a credit card to somebody, we have to make sure that we trust them. So in a way, it's similar, not totally similar, to our Mishnah. Because in our Mishnah, we're teaching that if we, te- if we show people the way, we teach people good habits, we're mezak esarab, and that's the turn. We make others meritorious. So therefore, we're getting credited. Our bank account is getting credited. But at the same time, if we are a negative example, we are machti esarabim. We encourage others to sin, so then our account gets debited. Now, I do want to, it doesn't mean though that a person who does the sin is scot free. They also are going to have to face, um, you know, their reckoning as well. But the point is that it gets, it goes back, it gets traced back. And we're going to give different examples of this today of how we get, um, of how the mitzvos and averos can get tracked back to a person or, or goes back to our accounts. Now, before we take a deep dive into the Mishnah, I wanted to just to talk about the continuation of the chain from the previous Mishnahs. This Mishnah specifically seems to be contrasting different traits, good and bad, but that people have. And it's interesting, if you take a look at this Mishnah, there's a few different lessons we can take out of it. So the first thing is that I want to bring out is that when, as a Jew, there's two outlooks that we need to have. There's an outlook that we have for ourselves, but at the same time, there's a another vision that we need to have as well, another responsibility that besides for our own obligation to perform 613 mitzvahs, to do our part for ourselves to fulfill the Torah, we also have a responsibility for others. And first come first is our, our Jewish brothers for them as well to perform mitzvahs and to do the Torah. Obviously, we all want to put ourselves on the path of doing mitzvahs and performing the responsibilities that we all have. But this other outlook and responsibility we have is to try to get others to do the mitzvahs as well. We know that the Jewish people are compared to a one man with one heart. That just like a person is one with one heart, so too the whole Jewish people were considered like one. And the importance of one heart signifies the idea that we all have one mission. We all have one goal. Even though we might be different, right? The hand has a different job than, or a different function than the foot. And the eye is a different function than the heart. But the mission of all the organs is the same, is that a human being should function properly. So as a nation... Even though we are, we all are different body parts, I guess, so to speak, but we all have one heart. We have one goal, one mission, which is to serve Hashem. And in a way, if a, to understand this is that if a person 
is hurting. One of his body parts is hurting. The whole person is hurting, right? You know, if a uh, a person can't say cut off his his arm despite his leg, right? I'm sorry, what's the expression? A person, you know, a whole body is connected to each other, and every every organ is important. Every part of the body has a unique job that in in the in the greater picture of serving serving man. So when it comes to the Jewish people as a nation, we have to realize that if a part of our body, another Jewish person is in distress, that's a piece of ourselves. That's our brother, our sister. And if something hurts them, it should hurt us. And we should have this outlook when it comes to our Jewish brothers and sisters. Sure, it is very important to care about everybody, all human beings, to have compassion for every one of God's creation. But at the same time, it's very understood that just like a parent, there's nothing wrong if that parent has a more of intense love for their child versus someone else's child, right? For their family versus someone else's family. That's natural. That's how God made the world. So when it comes to Jewish people, we have to realize that we are, we do need to have compassion for everybody, but there's a concept of family first. And we have to look when another Jewish person is in distress, it should bother us to an extra level. You know, when rockets are raining down in Israel, it should disturb us. And it's not just physical um, dangers and physical distress or financial distress. We have to have this feeling when it comes to the spiritual lives of our brothers and sisters as well, because we know that physical is only temporary, right? How long do we live on this earth for? We're here for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, right? We, we give a blessing that we should live for 120 years. That's the, the blessing that we give to others to live for that time. So even once we live the 120 years, that's the end of our physical lives. But our spiritual lives are eternal. So really, spirituality is more permanent than physicality. So therefore, if we, if we care about another Jew physically, his physical needs, his financial needs. So all the more so we need to have concern and compassion for the spiritual lives of our brothers and sisters. And this is included in this outlook of having a responsibility and a care to others, other Jewish people as well. Once we recognize this point that we have this responsibility, besides for our own um mitzvot that we need to do and need to perform, there's also the, the responsibility of the entire Jewish people that is all connected to each other. We realize the importance of helping others to do their correct thing, helping others, you know, make the right decisions. Now, obviously, you know, we don't, as Jewish, you know, obviously we're not, we can never force someone to do a mitzvah. You can never you know, coerce someone to do a good thing. Everyone is in charge of their own decisions. We can't, we can't, you know, physically take someone and make him do, do the will of Hashem. Everyone has free choice in this world. That is part of the beauty of this world, that we have the ability to choose between good and bad. But at the same time, we have to realize our place and our position when it comes to helping others make the right choices meaning we can encourage someone to do mitzvos. We can offer someone a ride to show. We can, you know, um, study with someone else and or make that offer. That's the, 
My point is we have the ability to extend that hand to make it easier for someone to make the correct decision and to do the right things. So although it is up to the person themselves to do something good, to take that step, to, to do that mitzvah, we can be helpful by being encouraging, by, by giving a compliment, by extending a hand, and so on and so forth, to, God willing, help people, help our brothers and sisters make the correct decisions, the better decisions, and get closer to Hashem. Fine, so let's, let's continue. So the Mishnah discussed this concept of kol ha-mezake-es-arabim ein ba-ayado. And that was the first idea that we discussed tonight, that whoever brings masses, sorry, whoever brings merits to the people will not come to sin. And the simple understanding is that when we do something good to help others do mitzvos, so like I said before, we get credit for the mitzvos that are performed. Right, so you could imagine, for example, the Schottenstein Talmud is the English translation of the of the of the Talmud. Now, Mr. Schottenstein, you could just imagine the reward that Mr. Schottenstein gets for dedicating the entire Talmud, making it accessible to thousands, hundreds of thousands of of Jews, maybe even millions of Jews who are now able to study Talmud because of him, because of his generosity. So based on our Mishnah, Mr. Schottenstein, who donated the Talmud, the Art Scroll Talmud, is getting reward every time we open up a Art Scroll Gemara. Um, and to make it even a little bit more applicable to ourselves, if we're able to give someone else an idea, and because of the idea we give them, they're able to, to do something good. So we're going to get credit for the act that's performed, even if we don't do those good deeds. And this is something which is can go on and on and on. And we have no idea how long or how much of an effect um, our actions can have. And we'll only find out, God willing, when we come up to the next world. And it really could be on the flip side as well. It could be scary that God, you know, we don't know how how much our actions can have an effect on the negative as well. That's why we need to be careful. But the point is, is that aside for getting credit and getting schar, getting reward for the mitzvahs that we do and for the mitzvahs that we help others perform, there's also a concept that if a person helps others do good things, they themselves will be protected from even coming to an avera in the first place, from coming to a sin to begin with. And Hashem, God, will prevent him from stumbling in his own service. And this is actually a, a very important concept to remember. And there's different stories in the Talmud that are brought down that brings this point out, is that if we are extra careful in a mitzvah, right, or we help others perform mitzvah, so it doesn't even have to be helping others perform mitzvahs. That's one way that a person could be protected. But additionally, is even being extra careful in one specific area is that a, the, the merit for that is, that is that a person is protected from falling into sin, from falling into bad company, from getting into a situation that could lead him to do an Avera. And it's a merit for him and his family and everyone around him. 
we've been discussing the whole concept of being mezake es harabim, to give merit to the masses. Now, many of us might think to ourselves, like, who do I know? Am I going to convince someone to do something good? Am I going to have an effect on another person to get them to do, an, to do a mitzvah, to get someone to learn, to encourage somebody? So my short answer to that first is yes. You never know the effect that you might have on another person. Maybe others failed in their attempts to, to, to try to encourage this individual to be better, to improve. And obviously, I'm, I'm not telling people, we don't go over to people and start ordering, ordering them around to do things. You have to do this mitzvah to that mitzvah. All I'm saying tonight is that we have opportunities to serve as positive role models and good examples to others and to maybe even lend a hand in very easy and um, you know, unthreatening ways to other people. And I'm not saying we need to go to others and start preaching. That's not necessarily our job. Our, our responsibility is to have those open eyes, to have that extended hand, to be ready to help when it's needed, and to serve as that positive role model. You know, And, and you'll never know how much of an effect it'll have until you try. And it could be you that it might, you know, break the, uh, push the door open because you never know. And that's a short answer. But another answer, which I want to give to that question of why should I try is that a person should realize that even if you try to try to be that positive role model, or you want to try to be that encouraging person, that encouraging friend to give that little push, that helpful push, the unthreatening push for someone to help them improve, help them get on the right track. And you fail. They don't listen. They don't follow your advice. They don't take your hand. You should know that you still get rewarded for trying. And this is actually, I've, I've talked about this before many times, is that this is one of the defining and unique aspects about Yiddishkeit, about Judaism. In Judaism, a person is not graded on the results, right? We all know that the results are in the hands of Hashem, are in the hands of God. And all we are expected to do is to try, to do our part, to do our hishtadlos, our due diligence. Because no matter how hard we try or do not try, the ultimate success is in the hands of Hashem. You're right, we do need to do our part. We can't just sit back and do nothing. We have to, that's part of our mission on this world is to do our responsibility is to try to do. So we should know that even if we fail at trying to be that encouraging friend to get someone to do something good or to encourage the masses somehow, um, and even in a small way to get someone to, to put that hand out, like I keep mentioning, you should know that you still get rewarded. You still get schar. You still get the reward from Hashem. And I would say, I would venture to say that you still get the special merit that the Mishnah is talking about. That a person who is makes the congregation meritorious, he shall not stumble in sin. And how, how do we know that? How do we know that if you try, you try again, 
and you fail, and it's not successful to get someone to do something good, to encourage, how do you know that you get rewarded? That's a valid, it's a very good question. And the answer to that is that we know in the Torah that one of the most severe transgressions is the sin of mesis umediach. It is a, a avera where somebody tries to convince another to do the sin of idol worship. And we know idol worship is one of the three cardinal sins that someone must give up their life. And normally, when it comes to a capital punishment, right? This is mesis umediach, to encourage someone, entice someone else to do idol worship is, is a sin which is punished by death. And normally in the Jewish court system, the Jewish court of law, when it comes to capital punishment, we are extremely stringent. And the Talmud brings down that it was, it was uncommon to even kill somebody once every 70 years during the times when the Jewish court system was in, in, in power. So, but over here, when it comes to Mesa Sumediach, when somebody tried to entice someone else to serve an idol, we're much more lenient in order when giving out capital punishment. Obviously, he has to, there are there is there are criteria which have to be met, but the bar is lowered. For example, normally you have to warn somebody, but over here, he doesn't have to be warned. Normally, we never ambush. In the Torah, we never try to do a sting operation, right? You know, you hear these stories with the FBI where they have somebody who's pretending to be a drug dealer and he sells drugs to someone on the street. As soon as this person pays for the purchase, boom, five agents jump out from behind a tree from another car and they arrest somebody. In the Torah, we don't do that. But when it comes to this Avera of Mesa Sumediach, of encouraging others to, to do idol worship, we make a sting operation, right? We hide two witnesses and we get this person to try to see, to try to get him to, to, to ask him to do idol worship with him in front of two witnesses who are hidden away on the side. And, and normally we only punish somebody with a capital punishment if he's successful in getting someone else to sin. But over here, even if this guy who tried to convince another is not successful in getting him to do idol worship, we still execute him. And we're very, very strict. And I believe the reason that's brought down is because since this person is trying to take away his chaya ilam haba, his real and eternal reward, so therefore he's trying to take away, he's trying to get someone else to do something bad, which is going to take away his eternity. So therefore we come down extremely harsh on him. So we know once we've established that even if someone tries to entice someone to do the sin of idol worship, he gets killed, right? He didn't succeed, but he still gets killed. So we know it that the mida toiva is merubo mida spuranius, that the measure of good is much greater than the measure of punishment. Whenever we talk about good, it's much more than any. I guess, amount of punishment. So if that's the case, it's only logical to say that if somebody 
who tried to get someone to do an Avera, to sin, gets killed. So all the more so if someone tries to get another to do a mitzvah, to do something good, to bring them closer to Hashem, to encourage them to be a better person. So all the more so they should get rewarded. And that's how we know that if we try to do something good, we try to encourage others, obviously in, a, in the proper way. We try to extend that hand that we get rewarded for that. And we need to remember this point because success is not in our hands. We just have to try. So when it comes to these type of way, you know, these type of encouragements and trying to be mezake es harab, like I keep saying, to make the, to, to get others, to fulfill our responsibility, to look out for the spiritual lives of others has to be done in the proper way. And the, and the has to be said in the proper way. And, you know, it, it takes a little bit of seichel. That's the word, right? Seichel is like a little bit of understanding of each person, each situation. But for sure, we, number one, need to try. And number two is we need to be good role, role models. And that in itself, a lot of times. And, and, num and, and number three is that be ready to have that hand open and hand out. You know, have a friendly face, have a smile be encouraging, be happy. And that in itself could have is a tremendous success. And number one is you never know. And number two is even if it's not successful, you are successful because you get, you did what Hashem wanted you to do and you get rewarded for just trying. The Mishnah continues with the flip side. So we just established about reward. All the, if you get others to, to do good, you get credited. Now, what about getting others to do Averos. So the Mishnah says, Very harsh. One who influences the masses to sin will not be given means to repent. And what does that mean, means to repent? The simple understanding is that will not be given extra help. One of the worst things that a person can do, as we, as we mentioned before about a person who tries to entice another, right? We, we gave that as an example, is, is when somebody tries to get another person to do something bad, to do a sin. You know, it's, it's one thing if we ourselves decide to do something that's incorrect, that's not, you know, it's just affecting us. But it's a whole nother discussion when we try to push others and encourage others to, to have negative behavior. You know, it's well known in yeshivas, you know, there's certain red lines that if you want to be in yeshiva, you, you shouldn't cross. One of those lines is when somebody tries to get others to do something bad. You know, many times administration of yeshiva will look the other way you know, and obviously I'm not, you know, I, I'm not answering for every yeshiva, but this is the general rule I've heard over the years is that you know, if many times in administration, you know, when dealing with a, a, a student who may be a little bit rebellious or a little bit mischievous, they'll work with the student and they'll deal with him. They'll keep him in the yeshiva, right? Because they don't want him on the street. 
as long as he's not getting others to do bad things. If he himself is displaying negative behavior, so then they'll deal with him. They'll try to work with him, try to encourage him. But once that individual, that student, is encouraging others to do bad, for many places, that's a red line where they can't have that boy in yeshiva anymore. Or that, right? Because he's bringing others down with him, right? And this is really this Mishnah because it's one thing for yourself to do something negative, but it's a whole nother discussion if we try to bring others down with our, ourselves as well. And that's why it seems that a person who does this, he loses his means to repent. And we, we explain what that means. Right? What does that mean? He doesn't have the means to repent. So it doesn't mean that he cannot do teshuva. He cannot return. But rather, he loses, since he did such a severe transgression, he loses his heavenly assistance to, to repent. Every person, right, we have the special gift of teshuva that Hashem has given us. And we, you know, obviously we talk about it more when it comes to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's the season of teshuva, the season of returning to cleanse our souls. And there's special assistance which we're given during that time and throughout the year as well. There's certain siyata dishmaya, certain help from heaven that a person gets when it comes to teshuva, right? If somebody has a sincere desire to become better, to change himself, to change his ways, so he'll get a certain help, a certain heavenly assistance that we're referring to here to get to where he wants to get to to achieve his goals, to make that turnaround. But it seems that somebody who encourages others to have negative behavior, to do Averos, he loses that extra help, that extra booster pack that helps him achieve that turnaround. And it becomes much harder for a person in that situation to get back to the right path. And, you know, we're coming up in a few weeks, we're going to be dealing with the parshas that, that talk about the slavery in Egypt. And the commentary, the Torah says how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the commentaries that he hardened his heart and he did not let the Jews go free. And the commentaries deal with the question of what does it mean that God hardened his heart, took away his choice? And there's different answers that are given, but one of the explanations is that Hashem, God, took away this heavenly assistance to do teshuva. And that's really what we're trying to say. That's what the Mishnah is saying here. That is somebody who, who does this act of getting others to do bad, it's much harder to turn around. It's much harder to get out of it because he loses that special siyat the special help from heaven. So to, ending, to finish off the Mishnah, the Mishnah gives two examples of people who exemplify the two different ideas of the Mishnah. One of them is Moshe Rabbeinu. And we say Moshe Rabbeinu was, he was Zacha Vizika Sarabim. He was meritorious and influenced the masses to be meritorious. And therefore the Mishnah says, Zchus Harabim Toliboy, that the merit of the masses was to his credit. And the commentaries explain that Moshe was the epitome of all spiritual, ethical, and moral, moral perfection. 
he was, I guess, the most perfect man, so to speak. And how did he do this? How did he get to this level, right? We know that he, he got to the highest levels of understanding. He achieved the highest level of spirituality, morality, ethics, everything. And the way he did it is by, or was by teaching to others, by being an example to others. And because he was um, this such great example, it also perfected him as well. It was, it was both. It was a give and the take. Because as much as he gave and was gave to others and was that role model, he himself became more and more perfected, so to speak. And, and this is a really an important idea as well, because many times we think that if we give to others, we're going to lose out. But it's really the, the opposite. When we, I guess, give up of ourselves to explain something to another, um, or maybe to, you know, to help someone, maybe we, we go below our quote unquote dignity level to, to be that help. We do things that maybe we not so comfortable doing to, in order to help another individual, ultimately we gain from it. And we have to realize that. And I think that's really exemplified by Moshe Rabbeinu because the only way, the only way that he got to being who he was, the great Moshe Rabbeinu is because he was that teacher to all the Jewish people. He was that, that example. He was that person who helped every Jew from the, the biggest question to the smallest. And it's something we should keep in mind because um, you, don't you don't lose out when you give to others, but rather you gain. Because, you know, there's many ways how a person could gain. You know, when it comes to teaching, you fully understand something when you teach it. And when it comes to doing things for others, it changes you as a person. So we shouldn't just look at it as a give, but rather it's both a give and a take. And finally, the Mishnah ends off with an example of someone who caused others to sin, which is Yeravam ben Nevat. And just a, a background about Yeravam ben Nevat. Yeravam ben Nevat was a servant of King Shlomo, of King Solomon. And after Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, passed away, he led the secession of the 10 northern tribes, and he became their king. And that's when the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel split. He had the 10 tribes and the kingdom of Judah, which was Judah and Benjamin. You had the northern kingdom, of, which were the 10 tribes of Israel, and you had the kingdom of Judah, which were the tribes of Yehuda and Benjamin. And Yeravam, who was scared that the pilgrimages, right, the three times a year that the Jews go to Jerusalem, would, I guess, would be undermined. His, his kingship would be undermined when the people would go to Jerusalem and see the temple. He was afraid that if he would let Jewish people go to Jerusalem three times a year for the pilgrimages, where they would see the, the correct king of the Davidic dynasty in the temple, that he would undermine his rulership, he set up guards on the path to Jerusalem to prevent anyone from going to the temple. And even more than that, since he didn't want anyone to go to the temple, he set up two golden calves in his portion, in his area, which he ruled in, and claimed that, that anyone could worship God through these golden calves. So besides from not allowing anyone to get to the Beis Amigdash, to the temple, to serve Hashem, he also created an atmosphere where it became acceptable to serve idols and caused countless Jews to, to sin with the 
grave sin of idol worship. And that's why it's considered that all the sins that happen go to his, I guess, charge. So those are a few important lessons from today's Mishnah. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.